The Colonial Pipeline is sending gasoline and heating oil again, but it's still going to be a week before people start seeing more gas at the pumps. And may I suggest to those news outlets that want to talk about panic buying, shutting your face. What an awful thing to say to the people of Charlotte and to the people of Atlanta, people throughout Florida, people in Northern Virginia. Oh, it's because you're panic buying the gasoline. No, people panic bought toilet paper as if somehow COVID was going to mean they never left the bathroom again. Some poor kid was going to be in the kitchen sink for a week at a time. It's only a two bathroom house and they had three kids and in my head, that's how it worked. That's how I told the joke in my head. You had to be there. This isn't panic buying what we're seeing. Somebody wanting to top off their tank is not panic buying. It's a recognition that there's a problem and they got to make sure they can get to work or get to the child's care or in my father's case, be able to drive himself to a hospital if he's feeling the need. He's 83. It happens a lot. And people out there writing about what's happening have the audacity to call it panic buying. Here's what happened. The Russians hacked and engaged in ransomware, and Colonial Pipeline is not paying it, by the way. They followed their protocols and shut down the pipeline. The pipeline runs from Texas to New Jersey and provides the refined products, gasoline, heating oil, among other things. The... They, they, when I read it as of last night, they did not pay. Yeah, it just they, broke an hour ago. They paid $5 million. Did they really? That's I would have let I would have let the Bidens pay it. Well, I mean, and yeah, sure, Look, maybe. we're going to have a whole conversation about whether or not you should pay or not pay ransomware. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you on Facebook. Tony Katz Radio, the phone number, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. I would have handed the bill to Joe Biden. You can't handle the Russians. Here you go. Paying the ransomware, man. That's that's a a, a, a real issue. If if they paid, right? You you pay the ransomware, and now you're just yeah. That is the story. CNET with the story, reportedly paid five million dollars to the hackers. ZDNet and Forbes also with the story. But when they got hacked, they did what their protocols told them to do, and they shut down the pipeline. Right, the paying of the hackers, that'll be another conversation because they should not have paid the hackers. Hackers should not be paid. They should send the bill to Joe Biden. When they shut down the pipeline, well, you weren't going to have gas and, and heating oil get to places. And people who say it's no big deal, picture it being December and January and people not getting heating oil. Now what do you think? So people saw this and said, I better top off. That's not panic buying. What a lie. What a lie to say that it is. A lie to protect Joe Biden. Now, how does Joe Biden play into this? Just like how he plays into Israel and and a series of other things. This is about weak leadership. This is about a perception that he is incapable because it seems he is. I would agree with you if you said we put too much emphasis on the president of the United States and not enough emphasis on the legislative or the judicial. We should really put much less emphasis on the judicial, much more emphasis on the legislative. One man's theory. But I'll agree with you if we put too much emphasis on the the presidency and what the presidency can actually do. But we have presidents who make the claim that they can do all these things. 
And then we take a look at what happens and we say, hey, this is because you didn't do X, Y, or Z. I don't say to you in the four months that Joe Biden has been president that he should have done more with cybersecurity. I say to you that the very existence of Joe Biden emboldened groups to be able to do these things. Just like the very existence of Joe Biden in the White House emboldens Hamas and others to engage in the attacks on Israel. Now I'm going to get more into the attacks on Israel. I had a conversation with the Israel uh, Council General of Eva Ezra yesterday. You can get that at TonyKatz.com. This doesn't look like it's ending soon. And part of what's happening here is the leadership of Joe Biden. Do you think it does Joe Biden any good? When people like the bigot Rashida Tlaib, congresswoman from Michigan, says things like this. This is a person that definitely needs to be held accountable for war crimes. People need to understand. I'm not asking you to stand against, um, you know, the, 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 the various people there. But the leader there that is promoting this kind of violence that is leading to the continuation of killing of, you know, children. And, and just the continuation of just the pain and the harm and the oppression uh, uh, and the violence towards Palestinians, that is, that is something that has continued to be enabled and supported by this prime minister. She believes that Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu needs to be held accountable for war crimes. Meanwhile, Joe Biden is saying, hey, uh, you're allowed to uh, defend yourself. To which Representative Ocasio-Cortez has gone out of her head and is now criticizing Biden. But I'm going to get into all of that. I'm going to break that down. I want to talk leadership. A lot of people are taking a look at Ron DeSantis right now. He's the governor of Florida. You know what Ron DeSantis did? Ron DeSantis is going to pardon and provide clemency to people who have been prosecuted in Florida for failing to wear a mask. I love it. How is that not the most awesome story of the day? You get a pardon, and you get a pardon, and you get a... Have we, can we create that? I'm pretty sorry. Can we put that image out there of, of uh, uh, DeSantis' face on Oprah saying, you get a pardon, and you get a pardon, and you get a pardon? I think we can figure it out. Yeah, make that happen if you... Get somebody on that. Get the whole digital team on it. Tell them to drop whatever they're doing and get right over there right away. Hold on, wait, hold on. We don't have a digital team? Uh, We're going to need a digital team so we can get them on it. Take people who have been abused by this mask nonsense and say, it's all right, you're cool. That is about saying, I got this. I'm going to lead the way here. And I'm going to take the hits that come along with it. When we take a look at COVID and we watch how people say, well, the doctors say, well, uh, well, well, Dr. Fauci says. Uh, the lo- you know, the, the, well, the state commissioner says. Well, the local health commissioner says. What's the leadership in that? The mayor of Indianapolis, Indiana, said that, hey, you know, uh, the, yeah, with all due respect, uh, elected officials, uh, with all due respect to elected officials, you got to listen to the doctors. No one voted for the doctors. They voted for you. They don't have to listen to you. They have to listen to the doctor. Why don't they vote for the doctor? Why don't you resign? Boom, we'll vote for the doctor. City uh, city councils. 
Oh, well, last I checked, no one on the city council is a doctor. Well, then quit, you losers. Get out of the way and let us vote for some doctors. We'll get them in there. We'll be fine. Problem is, doctors are terrible when it comes to public policy. They're terrible. A doctor is going to talk about doctor things and look at things through a doctor lens. The reason that we have civilians is so we can coalesce the vapors and come to a conclusion that is the best possible, not perfect. We have a civilian-run military. Generals execute strategy and are answerable to civilians. The president can say, we are going to go to war, but needs Congress to authorize such a thing. But the mayor of your city says, oh, no, no, the doctor says this is what we got to do. That's not leadership. That's not leadership. Not leadership is Joe Biden. Because leadership is not only making that tough call and setting a, it, it, I shouldn't say and, it's not just making a tough call, it is setting a clear standard and setting a clear message. This is the direction we're going. This is the fundamental difference between leadership and management. Here's what I've learned about my life. I'm a terrible manager. I really want people to do their things. I want them to, do, I want them to get me the information I need, but I want them to do it their way. But sometimes people do need to be managed who, who work with you, work for you, work around you. We're part of your life. All right. And so and everyone's different. You got to learn how to deal with them differently. That is a that is a, a tactic. That is a skill set that I admit to you is the weakest part of my game. Leadership. We're going through that wall, people. And let me tell you why. Because on the other side of that wall is riches beyond our wildest imagination. And each rich, each one of those riches, that's what you decide it is. That's what's on the other side of that wall. And once we get over it, once we go underneath it, once we go around it, or once we break that mother down, we are going to be in the promised land. And from there, it is nothing but up, up, up until we get to what we want. Okay, maybe it's not with that much fanfare. It could be done much more low-key. They're different skill sets. But part of leadership and part of how people see leadership is a recognition of, you know, if we do X, they'll do, he'll do Y or she'll do Y. Was there any question that the Palestinian Authority, Hamas, Hezbollah, Iran, even though Iran tried little things here and there, knew that if, if you really caused a problem, uh, there could be trouble. Remember, it was Iran that engaged the drone strike on the oil field, the refinery in Saudi Arabia. And you know what the U.S. did in response? Nothing. And that was an unbelievable bit of leadership. People expected, oh my gosh, warmonger Trump, he's going to attack. And then Trump didn't attack. And they said, why did Trump attack? Remember, they're never happy. These people, Trump damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. I mean, they, these are miserable people who try to have it all the way, all, the, all their ways, you know, all the time. But it was a bit of leadership. And sometimes I agree. There is a, uh, there's an importance in, 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 in strength and, and, um, and, and keeping your powder dry. But we got hacked and they shut off gasoline. You sit back and do nothing? Very interesting. And then you don't even address it as an issue of, 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 of serious importance. 
You have staffers out there talking about we need green energy. Well, the people with Priuses, they're not worried. <laughs> what a thing to say. That was uh, Jennifer Granholm, the energy secretary. What a thing to say. By the way, there's some things they can't keep themselves from saying. Sometimes the truth is the truth is the truth, no matter how hard they tried to hide it. Here's Congressman Darrell Issa, Republican California, asking John Kerry, uh, what's uh, more efficient? Isn't it true that pipelines are more carbon delivery efficient than trains or trucks or other forms of delivery? If you could answer just that limited yeah, that question. Is true. I, I think that is true. But it doesn't mean you necessarily want to be adding another line when there are other alternatives. But is it better than train and better than not? Yes, it is. Thank you. My judge. So why would you shut down the Keystone Pipeline? Why would you shut down the Keystone Pipeline? What's the... What's the point there? You're going to move that, 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 that crude, that shale, another way, and it's going to be less efficient. So why do you constantly have a group of people attacking pipelines when it's more carbon efficient? Well... They don't have a good answer, except, you know, it's ideological. And somehow uh, when they decide pipelines are good, pipelines are good. When pipelines are bad, pipelines are bad. That's also a lack of leadership to be able to say we're focused on this and not on that and tell the base they're wrong on this subject, they're right on that subject, and that's it. Well, Joe Biden can't tell his base anything. His base will rip him apart, just like they are on Israel. And others see that weakness. And so they try things, and so they do things, and so they push. And you can make the argument that that's what's happening in Israel today. You can make that argument. Is Joe Biden responsible for Hamas? Of course not. Is Joe Biden seen as not friendly to Israel's existence? Yes, because the Democratic Party is seen as not friendly to Israel's existence. And Joe Biden has never shown a moment in this election process and as president where he's going to go against the far left of his party. The people buying gas didn't engage in panic buying. They looked at the president, looked at the situation and said, we better top off because it could be a while. Because this is not a guy who can make things happen. This is a guy we have to suffer through for three and a half more years. I'm Tony Katz. word that biden might speak might talk about what's going on with the pipeline and with gas shortages on the east coast tony katz tony katz today it's great to be with you i'll be curious to hear what he has to say if we're on and he's going we're gonna bring it to you is he coming right now producer no but they've got like the podium set up it's in like the private private room it's like he's definitely speaking it's a prepared speech We'll bring it to you the minute it it starts. Let me get into a conversation for parents. Curious to hear where they are. Parlor, Instagram, Twitter, at Tony Katz. Of course, on Facebook, uh, Tony Katz today. And this is about vaccines. A lot of states saying, hey, 12 to 15-year-olds, you're good to go. Pfizer, we're approved, 12 to 15-year-olds. And you have Randy Weingarten, who heads up the American Federation of Teachers, 
right? Saying uh, these kids need to be vaccinated so we can open schools. She's now saying, by the way, uh, we should open schools. The whole 180 turn on masks outside and everything else. The CDC looks like fools. Anthony Fauci looks like a fool. It's a mess. I'll dig in. But I, I, I start here. This push to get 12 to 15-year-olds vaccinated and people screaming, you got to get your kid vaccinated so we can get them back to school. No parent should feel pressured to do such a thing. There will be some parents who are fine with it. And there'll be some parents who are absolutely not fine with it. And there'll be some parents who aren't sure. That'll be the preponderance group in the middle. The idea that someone should rush you on this, push you on this, is just awful and wrong. It's going to take time for parents to figure out whether or not they want to and how. Now, I want to get into that, but the president is speaking about a gas crisis. What's going on on the East Coast? Let's take it to President Biden. This morning, Colonial reported that fuel is beginning to flow to a majority of the markets that they service, and they should be reaching full operational capacity as we speak, as I speak to you right now. That is good news. But I want to be clear. We'll not feel the effects uh, at the pump immediately. This is not like flicking on a light switch. This pipeline is 5,500 miles long. It had never been fully shut down its entire history. And so, uh, so fully, and we have to, now they have to safely and fully return to normal operations. Uh, and it's going to take some time. And there may be some hip, hic, hiccups like I just had along the way here. <laughs> Still, we expect to see a region by region return to normalcy beginning this weekend and continuing into next week. In the meantime, I want to update you on what our administration is doing to accelerate this process. We will have those shortages. updates when we come back from the break. Ari, start recording. On Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Pipeline will be operational. We'll hear what the White House is going to do to help. And Kurt Schlichter is scheduled to be with us. The Army with some recruiting videos that don't seem like recruiting videos. This is Tony Katz today. So first it was the CIA with a very, very strange recruitment video. I mean, there was, there was no way this was going to work, right? There was no way this was going to uh, bring anybody in. This woman uh, saying that, you know, that, was, was it about her Latin heritage? Or was it is, is about uh, she can be her best her? or It just wasn't about getting people to uh, spy on the enemy. That much is for sure. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, it, just, it had no effect. It was mocked. It was, what is this? Then came the U.S. Army with their recruiting video, including a cartoon of a lesbian wedding. Be a lesbian. Go live your life. Why is this in a recruiting video? Isn't the U.S. military about saying, hey, you want to serve your country? 
Kurt Schlichter joins us right now. You know him as the columnist over at townhall.com, uh, the author of the Kelly Turnbull series of books, which you can get at amazon.com, wherever fine books are sold. He's also the author of Militant Normals, uh, and I do the audio version of his books. He is also retired from the U.S. military, a full colonel. And we've talked these things before about what is it we want from a military? What is it that we see right now as military preparedness? And as you watched this video, uh, the question is, what does this tell you about today's U.S. military, if anything? Well, it tells me we're going to lose the next war. I mean, it looks like a Disney movie. What's the demographic that you're trying to reach here? Uh, You know, girls who want to be Ariel the Mermaid? Are you going to have, like, Kevlar clamshell bras? First of all, if you sold them, people would buy them. But the bigger question here is, is, when you ask who is it that they are trying to address, a recruitment video is supposed to be about your country needs you. Uh, And I I don't mind if they go after larger groups of people, larger swaths of people. What in this video says your country needs you? Or am I wrong about what, what recruitment is? No, no. Uh, This video, this Disney video, I mean, it it actually is drawn in the Disney style. It's for uh, delayed, it is directed at delayed adolescent girls who, you know, throughout history have not made up the majority of the military fighting force. Now, if you go on to town hall, and you should, there's a great article by uh, Lee Barucas, uh, which has the Disney article or Disney uh, uh, ad, and it has a Russian ad. And what's the Russian ad? It's a young man getting his hair shaved, running over obstacles, shooting guns, jumping out of airplanes. That is what the military is about. The military is won by force. The military is about the application of force. It's not about your feelings. It's not about validating you as a person. Uh, this is, and, and here's the problem, Tony. These folks in command know better than this, but they also know what their bosses want. Their bosses want this. Their bosses want a military that rejects the masculine values that make a military a military as opposed to a sewing circle. That is a, a, a line that get, usually gets people in trouble in today's world, a, a masculine military. It's in the same way people use the, the term uh, toxic masculinity, which, of course, uh, has no value to it whatsoever. whatsoever. And it's a way of, of diminishing what, what is important uh, in the male, the very concepts of manhood. Your argument isn't that women can't be in the military. Your argument is this is no way to recruit for the military. No, it it isn't. Uh, First of all, it's a lie. The military is not a uh, happy, wonderful place of love where you go in to uh, uh, fulfill your very best self. That's not what the military is. It's not what it's supposed to be. And it's obnoxious to try and bring people in to do it. Now, the good part is, Tony, the kind of people who this childish garbage appeals to are unlikely to join the military. You're not going to have a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, uh, moony-eyed suburban teens looking at this going, oh, you know what? I think I'm going to join the military. They're not going to. 
The people who join the military are going to be the people who always did join the military. The young men who want to see what they can do, who want to challenge themselves, uh, some people who want to uh, better themselves and get an education or get out of a bad situation, uh, all while serving their country. That's, th- those people will continue to do it. This, this ad won't work, but it's worse. It advertises the lack of seriousness that characterizes America's military. A military, which incidentally has not won a war in 20 years. About 30, close to 30. Talking to Kurt Schlichter, colonel, retired uh, U.S. Army, uh, the author of the Kelly Turnbull novels, which you can find at Amazon.com, as well as a host of other books. And you find his work at uh, townhall.com. You and I have both watched and both witnessed moves from the military. Uh, I'll give you one that's uh, a little more recent, uh, yet uh, just six and a half years ago, there are U.S. soldiers being uh, taken uh, by Iranians, and they're crying on video. That is just one example of many I could offer that could lead one to question uh, whether or not— absolute disgrace and a real president would have literally fired the entire chain of command from bottom to top and this Uh, is a conversation hold on this is exactly where i'm going man because we've had this conversation and i think it freaks people out when you discuss the idea that those generals you know this was this is what they said about trump oh trump knows more than the generals who does he think he is if these are the decisions that we're getting from the military about a recruitment video maybe there is something to the idea of getting rid of the generals so, yeah, I, I, I would start firing them and wouldn't stop. Uh, here's the good thing. The military can be saved because the military, for the same reason the military fell into this wokeness garbage so quickly, it can come out. The, the old saying is soldiers do what the commander checks. If the commander's checking for wokeness, he's going to find wokeness. If the commander checks for warfighting capability, he's going to find warfighting capability. The commander sets the tone, and I'm hoping President DeSantis comes in. (laughs) (laughs) You like that? It was such a good drop. Boom. He comes in, fires the entire Joint Chiefs of Staff, fires uh, everybody with diversity in their title. But I think I think it gets to people where where they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Doesn't the general know that you have to? Doesn't the general know that you have to be ready for war? What what would make the wokeness more important than the warfare? Well, tomorrow the threat is not a massive tank battle against Russian uh, forces in uh, you know Poland. Tomorrow's battle is going up against Kirsten Gillibrand at a Senate hearing and having her be mean to you. That's the threat. Look, and the war colleges, you know, where they teach generals, and I'm a graduate, uh, have, have adopted the same lack of seriousness. They have adopted our senior military leadership is trained to be palatable to the liberal elite. For instance, uh, there was a, 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 an exercise, very typical exercise. You have a bunch of colonels, and on day one, you brief, here are the strategic threats to America. Day two, here are our plans to implement our strategy to uh, uh, defeat the basic war college stuff. Uh, half the colonels came and said that the major strategic threat to America was the climate. That is the weather in 100 years. That lack of seriousness is what happens when you start uh, ignoring objective reality and start sucking up to a garbage establishment and a soft uh, America-hating elite. 
His name is Kurt Schlichter. You find him at townhall.com. Find the Kelly Turnbull novels, uh, the latest one being Crisis. That's book number five at amazon.com. It's Schlichter, S-C-H-L-I-C-H-T-E-R. That's where you find him, Kurt Schlichter, on the Twitter box. Man, it's always a pleasure uh, to have you. We will hear what Joe Biden had to say about the gas crisis. And how Byron York took a page out of my playbook. Well, he probably did it himself, but I'm taking credit. This is Tony Katz today. The Green Bay Packers signed Blake Bortles. Ari, producer Ari, you're from Wisconsin. You're a Packers fan. Uh, he what a... happened to Aaron Rodgers? Oh, he's a very unhappy with the Packers right now. Well, who isn't unhappy with where they work? But what? Wh- Blake Bortles is the answer for the Packers? You mean Blake Bortles, who has a higher playoff uh, rating than Tom Brady? That's actually a true fact, by the way. Isn't that weird? It's also in proof positive that you don't need to know that many many stats. Stats are dumb. Listen, Aaron's just Aaron hates the GM, and he's pissed they drafted his replacement, and so now he wants to be traded. And so the Packers are kind of like, well, we got to do something, so they're signing Blake Bortles. Too bad Tim Tebow wasn't available. Uh, that somehow would have been worse. No, please. Here's what's going to happen. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. So Tim Tebow, after nine years not playing football, and then, of course, the baseball thing not working the way he wanted, he got signed to a one-year deal, tight end, uh, uh, Jacksonville. Now, who even knows if he'll ever play a game? Tight end. And this is Jacksonville. They just signed Trevor Lawrence, right? They just drafted him, first overall pick from Clemson. They feel good in Jacksonville. People will be hanging out in the pool at the stadium, getting COVID, loving it. Well, here's what's going to happen. Game seven. Trevor Lawrence is going to go down. They're going to have a backup. He's going to take them through three games. Trevor Lawrence is going to be on the mend. Nope. Those three games, that backup goes down. They don't have an option. They turn to the tight end, Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow gets them into the playoffs. Trevor Lawrence is back. Gets them a playoff win as that wild card team. But then, oh my gosh, the injury comes back. And it's up to Tim Tebow with magic to lead them to the Super Bowl and a victory. That's the NFL story, right? Is that not it? Is that, is that so, not how it's going to happen? On. I'm, on the, I'm on hold with all the movie studios trying to sell the rights to that movie. Would you please? Would you please? That'd be great. That'd be great. By the way, three points on the back end. Otherwise, I'm not doing the deal. Joe Biden spoke about the pipeline. Oh, he's, he's got it all together on the pipeline. Of course, it's going to be reopened. And soon there will be gas flowing. But he wants you to know some things. Orders that lifts hours, the hours restrictions, and allowed states to lift weight restrictions for tank truck drivers to be on the road. This allows those drivers to work more and carry more fuel to the affected regions. Third, the Environmental Protection Agency issued a targeted 20-day waiver of standards in several states to give fuel suppliers more flexibility to use available fuels where they're needed, which will boost the fuel supply. And those, uh, those last two actions have made tens of millions of gallons of additional fuel available each day to be able to be distributed. Put another way, the extraordinary measures the administration has taken, we estimate, sent enough gas to stations to fill the tanks of over 5 million vehicles in the last few days. 
Fourthly, as part of an effort to use every possible means to accelerate fuel deliveries, last night I granted a waiver of the Jones Act to uh, fuel suppliers. This allows non-U.S. flagged vessels to transport refined fuel products from the Gulf of Mexico to affected areas, and we'll grant additional waivers if necessary. These steps are temporary, but they will remain in place until full service is fully restored. This is a, it's a whole of government response to get more fuel more quickly to where it's needed and to limit the pain being felt by American customers. Now, here's what drives the driver in the states that are affected. Here's what you can do, the drivers. Don't panic, number one. No one's panicking. I have no issue with uh, changing some acts and making sure that people have access and doing There's no problem with that. You would almost say, hey, that's leadership. But these people aren't panicking. And if you want to make the argument, it's because, well, they don't feel like there's anybody with a bit of an idea of what to do. Maybe this will calm people down. Maybe this is exactly the right tone and tenor that you need to take. What else did he have to say? I know seeing lines at the pumps or gas stations with no gas can be extremely stressful, but this is a temporary situation. Do not get more gas than you need in the next few days. As I said, we expect the situation to begin to improve by the weekend and into early next week, and gasoline supply is coming back online, and panic buying will only slow the process. And I also want to say something to the gas stations. Do not. I repeat, do not try to take advantage of consumers during this time. I'm going to work with governors in the affected states to put a stop to price gouging wherever it arises. And just like that, I'm done with him. There's no such thing as price gouging. Come at me, bro. There's no such thing as price gouging. Jeez, there is no such thing as price gouging. Say it with me, everybody. There's no such thing as price gouging. There's no such. There's no such thing. What are you talking about, Ari? What nonsense are you making up? I mean, you're telling me. So when 9-11 happened and gas stations in New York charged $55 a gallon because people want to get out of the city, you were like, good for them. I didn't say it was. I didn't say good for them. And I didn't say that they were good people, but they can do it. And if you were selling bottles of water and you want to sell it for $55 a bottle, you could do it. And if someone will pay it, that's that. You are asking me to decide their morality, and I won't do that. The question is, can they do it? That's why there's no such thing as price gouging. It is wrong to say, you're not allowed to charge that price. As a matter of fact, that's so damn despicable, I, w- I have no respect for anybody who thinks otherwise. None. Morally, you could say, can you believe they're charging that much for a gallon of gas? That's gross. And you know what you should do? You should say, I don't want them to charge that much, so I'm going to pay the difference for these people here so they can get gas at a reasonable price. Now, your version of a reasonable price is maybe different than somebody else's version of a reasonable price. And there's a whole other conversation morality because maybe you're not as moral as you should be. You should give a little more money. Price gouging's a real thing. It's not.
These gas stations could charge what they will. And by the way, not only them, the people selling gas cans, they could charge $140 for all I care. By the way, did you see the federal government coming out and saying, hey, please don't fill plastic bags with gasoline? Please don't fill garbage bags with gasoline? You needed to tell people that? I needed to tell people not to eat Tide Pods? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. The future of crypto. Well, at least it's going to be weird for a week or so. This is Tony Katz today.